0: Yeah, she'll teach you how to be Autistically you Not afraid To talk about what's taboo So don't play small Join the podcast With Nikki
1: Collins Autism on
0: Hello and welcome to today's show. My name's Nikki Collins, the Autism Coach, and I am joined by Jackie Edry, who is the author of Moving Forward, which is about reflections on autism, neurodiversity, brain surgery, and faith. And it's available on Amazon and you're gonna get all the juicy details and all the links to be able to go and have a look at Jackie's amazing work. And Jackie also blogs and is just a, Gen- general amazing person, and I'm delighted to have her on today's show. So, hello, Jackie. Thank you so much for being here and giving up your precious and valuable time to to talk to me
1: today. How are you doing? Thank God. I'm wonderful, thank God, and I'm very honoured to be here. It's, it's really a true honour. So, uh, looking forward to our discussion and then and seeing where we're going to go. Yeah, I mean, you've had a
0: really interesting experience and journey you've kind of seen neurodiversity in a couple of different ways from the experiences that you've had in in your travels so do you want to just jump straight in and start having a little bit of a chat about that and telling people about what's happened in in your life for you to kind of see 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 things on both sides
1: so interesting okay well, basically, my, my journey with uh, autism and neurodiversity uh, started, I guess, when I was uh, in high school, when I volunteered. Yeah. In any case, I worked with this lovely child, and I, and I, I, in a very child-centered home program, we did incredible things. And then I spent a few years working in summer camps with autistic teens in in, in the forest. Actually, there were inner-city kids that we took upstate in New York and worked in the forest, and we did whitewater canoeing and camping, really amazing things. And as, as a group of um, untrained, let's say, uh, staff that just worked from our hearts and treated these these guys. I mean, most of them were nonverbal as just regular guys that communicated differently. And we had the most incredible experiences. And after that, uh, I decided, I, I saw that uh, it, the, the guys, as we did a lot of exercise with them, they tended to, there's their stimming or the overall sense of calm seemed to be. Um, they were much calmer and they, they felt uh, more balanced and, and therefore stimming tended to uh, go down. And I thought that would be an interesting uh, study to do about uh, how hmm. exercise affects stimming. So at the time, uh, what was called behavior modification schools were just beginning and there was a very prestigious school in, in Connecticut and they accepted me to do a thesis about that. I was, I was finishing up college and I did my thesis and when I got there, I saw what they were doing with these kids, which was just completely opposite of what we'd I'd ever seen or done. They were, you know, sort of training these children, and we couldn't spontaneously do anything. And even the words that came out of our mouth had to be these uh, these programmed sentences. And then they were, you know, reinforcing everything with with candies and and and, and mm. tying kids in chairs with a very nice soft tie. But they were tying kids in chairs. And, and when the kids would freak out, they would put them in these quiet rooms. And like within a week or two, I was so upset and depressed that I decided to change my piece to why that system should never, ever, ever be used uh, on a child. Because, it, first of all, it didn't teach them any of the skills that were lacking, which were, you know, normal, um, typical social interaction, understanding themselves, understanding others. How, it just, they were teaching them to be parrots and, and overriding their natural um, instincts when they, something didn't suit them to protest. They were, you know, it was just creating this totally artificial environment that would lock them into behaving in a certain manner. Um, and and what happened was a child that i worked with in high school, actually, it was many years later, now he's a teen, happened to have moved states and was in this school. And I saw him doing the same sort of things that he was doing when he was five, when I was working with him. And it was just, and he was very frustrated and aggressive and angry. And I was so upset by this whole uh, situation that um, I realized that that was just the wrong way to go and wrote a thesis about it. And and then I moved to Israel. And years later, I had uh, my my daughter and then my son. And turns out my son's autistic. And everybody wants to do what was now called ABA, which is the old school called behavior modification. Uh, I was very, very, very lucky because I knew that yeah. we we're not going down that road, <laughs> uh, but, and that's something that's it's it's become um, so ingrained that most professionals and organizations uh, try to force ABA, even though parents uh, tend to reject it when they see it because it doesn't look right to them. Especially as a person who's worked often with um, dog training, it reminded me very much of what I would do with puppy. <laughs> um, exactly, and I was yeah. And also kids that couldn't sit because they, they were sensory overloaded, they were, which translated to hyperactivity, and then we're giving them candies all day long, which made the situation much worse because all that sugar in one's body doesn't do good for sitting. In any case, I was, thank God, very, very fortunate and and was able to advocate for my son and, and go down a different route and really work on focusing on the, the sensory uh, things that we needed to address to make his life uh, easier for him and the communication. Uh, And after that, um, he he was, even though very uh, low verbal abilities, he was uh, integrated into a regular school and had sports. And and he very slowly, uh, in his own way, in his own path, he developed. And now he's a young man doing uh, well. Um, Good still issues with ver- verbal issues and things like that, but he's, he's happy and he's doing things he likes to do. So it's, it's great. Um, and then I really thought I had a good understanding of what I was observing all those years. But eight years ago, a little over eight years ago, suddenly I, I started feeling lousy for a long period of time. And then it turns out that I had a massive uh, brain tumor sitting on my brain brainstem. So... Uh, I had to get operated immediately. And when I woke up, all my senses had become scrambled. And I, my sensory perception was totally irregular and unstable. And, and my visual perception and, and my life had just gone totally upside down. And it was very harrowing and very difficult, difficult experience. I also had problems with organizing my motor skills, uh, walking, swallowing, the whole business, everything became very, very, very complicated. Mm-hmm. And I would get overwhelmed in any kind of environment with lights, noises, you name it. And what it did is I suddenly became began thinking that what I was experiencing in the sensory manner was very similar to what I had been observing all those years, working with my son and the other autistic children or ADHD kids, uh, all neurodivergent children, all those years. And it sort of validated that I was – along the right lines. And it was very comforting because I realized that if this person's having sensory uh, overload, that ABA would just be something like PTSD in the end. I mean, it would be horrible, 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 traumatic. And I Mm -hmm. also naturally found myself doing things like rocking, uh, which, you know, my physical therapist who was familiar with brain injuries or or brain recovery uh, was trying to teach me to rock and things like that. And it would calm me. I would feel like there were weights pushing me aside and things like that. And I said, well, you're teaching me to rock. But if I was an autistic child, I would be trying to eliminate it because it was a stim. Mm-hmm. She said, well, of course you, you need to do these things because it calms and balances your sensory system. I said, well, I know that. You know that. But why is it why are the rules different for autistic children? So I got to be on both sides of the coin uh, as a parent, as a professional. And then suddenly I'm I'm in the shoes of somebody. My cognition was different than I imagine a child that was growing up autistic or, or divergent, but mm. similar uh, sensory experiences. And I, I totally understand why a room with flat, flickering uh, fluorescent would cause a child to run away, which mine did actually in a situation like that when he was young. Um, and all these other things I've could be very scary and very difficult. And that uh, stems are good because they balance the system. this the system gets balanced, then they go away on their own. You must not Force these things to to go away because it just causes stress. So, being that I was on both sides of the coin, I decided I could help others by understanding that, and and I wrote a book. That's where I'm at.
0: That's amazing. Absolutely amazing story. And there's just so many things to sort of like unpack through that journey. And I mean, you started off by working with like with the with the teenagers, and seeing exercise really helped to calm that stimming down and i do wonder if exercise itself is a stim because i know that when i when i exercise and get this this is a build-up of energy i feel in my body that just needs Mm -hmm. to be distributed so if you start moving so if you think of sensory diets which is something mm-hmm. I've recently started and that could be something as simple as I lay on the floor and do uh, the the bicycle movement so kick my legs in the, in mm-hmm. the air and, and like as a um as like as a, as a bike yeah. and it just helps to distribute that energy and I do wonder how closely they're interlinked
1: that's a very interesting question actually um I'm sure there's a link i mean I, you know it's, it's most people prefer like enjoy some sort of repetitive acts uh, exercise or activity, or even dancing. And sometimes a lot of them are very repetitive. And if you're in a, a neurotypical um, situation, then it's considered exercise. And if you're doing something repetitive and you're not in a neurotypical situation, then the neurotypicals will tend to explain it as being a STEM. I don't know, you know, but, but I think that whatever it is, if it balances the body and, and uh, helps the person, then what's the problem? You know, I, I think what what the teachers or professionals or neurotypical parents or whatever are, are, are concerned about is that the, the child would be completely disconnected. And if you allow the child to be all alone on their own and, and stimming, then they, they're just not here in this world. Mm-hmm. And, and I do think there is a balance that one must find but I don't think it comes with stopping a stim. What I think it, it comes with is being next to that child where they are, and perhaps even doing it with them and forming that connection and that calms their body and sensory system down. And then the stims go away on their own, you know, or even if if we're connecting mm. and somebody's moving their legs, I mean how many people do you know will sit at a table? And they'll like drum on the table. They'll bounce with their legs and stuff, and and that's fine.
0: Exactly, Um,
1: because it's not considered weird. I mean, how many how many toys are on office desks? You know, the squishy balls and all those other things. But as long as it doesn't have the label attached to it, it's something that most humans realize that it's part of the human existence. You know, and and why not? Uh, It's only when every little thing is broken down behaviorally and analyzed as something negative that that becomes a problem. And there's a whole industry behind that problem, which makes a lot, a lot, a lot of money. So, yeah. I understand why a lot of people are behind keeping that sort of industry going.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not afraid to say it, and I'm not afraid to touch on it. And you're talking about ABA there,
1: <laughs> and absolutely talking people... about ABA. I Neither mean, am I afraid. I, I made a call it mm-hmm. behavior modification in my book because that's how, um, that's what it was called when I was you know, in, in a school that practice it. But it is ABA, and I'm very vocal about it. And, and you know probably a lot of people get pissed off with me. But it's it's not only ABA, it's, it's the general misunderstanding, I think, that stems are a problem.
0: Yeah, then yeah, and, and that that I think you know, that's the problem.
1: Or that they like, disconnect people from the world. And I don't think that. I think in many ways they, they, they're they required in order to connect people to the world, at least in my situation. Um, and masking them and hiding them and preventing them just causes the whole body to go into such a stress that then concentration is affected by it as well. Mm. Um, well, I think for, when
0: you have a child who's autistic and they are suppressing their stims all day at school,
1: yeah.
0: and then they come home and explode because oh, yeah. energy has to come out somewhere, and then yeah. the school says, well, I'm not seeing that behaviour at school, so it must be at yeah. the fault of something you're doing at home. Well, no, actually, th- there's a huge fundamental part of themselves that's being hidden, yes. and that's actually painful, and that's coming out in this bad, negative behaviour
1: yeah. at home. So well, if we the can child is safe but, at home, you know. Exactly.
0: It's safe, oh, yeah. and you're able to express in a, in a more natural way, even if it is just in your own
1: bedroom. I think many kids having nothing to do with autism that behave well in school and then come home and they, they, whatever they've taken and brought home with them comes out at home, you know, because they're in the of same course. environment.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: especially kids who were in, in 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 ABA type schools, when they, they 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 also get aggressive in school. I saw so much of it, you know. oh I, I was I was it was it was horrible. Um, so. I'm glad that in the last number of years, I think there's a large uh, autistic community that is actually
0: the,
1: had the ability to be vocal about how they feel now as adults of what happened to them when they were kids and they went through these, these ABA programs and 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 people are starting to listen. I, I have to say in Israel um, right now, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, they wanted to make a law, they're working on passing a law that will Recognize ABA as an official um, treatment, like like uh, OT or PT or something like that. And, and the autistic community here went ballistic, and I also went ballistic and called the, one of the parliament members and said, you know, "Yeah, you are. You guys are making a big mistake." And there's an organization like Autism Speaks, which which is a very powerful organization here in Israel, and they work in the same sort of ways as Autism Speaks. There, they also advocate ABA all over the place. And uh, they're behind, which is unfortunate. Um, is unfortunate. Nice thing is that the 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 parliament the Knesset member uh, is going to have a meeting, with me, so I'm going to have a little chat with him. And he's also going to meet people, members of the autistic community who've approached him. So hopefully, um, you know, it, it's the only treatment they're talking about. You know, if they want to fund ABA, that's okay. You know what I mean? Okay, but fund the others. But if you're only doing ABA, then you know what's going to happen. Insurance is going to only fund ABA and. and it's, it's just it's so upsetting it is upsetting the thing with
0: aba is it's hugely expensive people actually take out second mortgages being able oh, yeah. to actually fund it oh, it yeah. is the the costs involved are it just running to hundreds of thousands in some states in america it's the first portal call there is no other option available yes 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 the same thing is pretty much here you're punished if awful. you don't go through that route. When my stepdaughter was diagnosed, they you they, they suggested some leaflets, some websites to look at, mm-hmm. and a form of ABA, which wasn't called ABA, but as soon as it was a behavior modification type. Yes, of they thing. make
1: it nicer that it's a new kind of ABA. It's all the same. It's based on the same it principles. It and
0: and for those who don't know, ABA is essentially dog training for children without the compassion.
1: Yeah. I'd go. For, and there are some extremes that, 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 that use a lot of punishments as well, but they say in the later late, it's become nicer because they're not using the punishments so much as they used to use in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but makes, you know, we are not, human souls are not a, um, we can't be reduced to a clump of behaviors. We're human souls and, and bodies have things. And, and for me, like when I feel the, the urge to stem, what basic, what I felt was as if um, sort of an electrical surge would go through my body and then like a circuit breaker would trip. It's like if you get a, a, too much electric, your circuit breaker will, will trip and the electric will go, you know, fall in the house. That's, you know, that's how circuit boards work. And, and I often would feel when I, my sensors would, would, would overload or flip, that's what would happen to me. And I would sort of overwhelm and shut down. And I see my, or the energy has to come out. My son uh, to this day will suddenly, if he thinks of something that causes that reaction in his body or gets emotional or whatever, suddenly, I mean, he's a huge strapping guy will, will run across the living room or a jumper and or that sort of thing. And, you know, people who don't know it might, might, might be concerned. but I, I know it's just the energy. I when, he, when I see him do something like that, I don't consider it a behavior at all. I said, Oh, you know, what were you thinking or what were you doing? Something interesting. And then he'll tell me. And I understand that he got excited. We have no control over those physical reactions. No. And you can't stop them. And nor can you prevent them. Like if, if I were to walk into a, uh, a wedding or a, a disco or whatever you call it, you know, a place where there's flashing lights and music, even though my I would say to my brain, Hey, brain, you know, this is nothing. You shouldn't have the fight, flight, f- you know, freeze reaction and stay calm. It's just, you know, lights and, and, and music. My brain doesn't care. It will send my body into total, it even shuts off parts of my body. I, you know, and yeah. my legs won't walk or, you know, any kind of all kinds of crazy things. Um, so I think that's an important thing to understand. You can't reason with sentence, senses, nor can you control them with behavioral interventions.
0: Absolutely not. You can start to understand them and try and minimize the triggers. Yes. But oh, sometimes yeah. you're never going to catch it. And, I mean, I, I work with autism on a daily basis. I am autistic and I'm surrounded by autistic people
1: mm-hmm.
0: in all different types of capacity, whether it's my clients, whether it's friends or family or colleagues or anybody. And even I don't always get it right, but I'm always on a learning journey. And it's about trying to minimize it for myself and others going forward so I know that one of your experiences since your the discovery of your brain tumor was Erling syndrome and that's light sensitivity which actually I didn't realize and it was you who taught me this was that it's on a a scale so I didn't know that it was I just thought you're light sensitive or you're not Mm -hmm. (laughs) And yeah. I always thought that sometimes when I go outside and I'm, oh, it's really bright today. I just thought, mm, well, it's just a bit brighter than normal. But some of the things that you've said have, sh- have shown me, actually, that I'm definitely on that sort of that Erlins that scale. So I know you've had quite an interesting experience with that since your your brain tumour. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um... Okay. I, I, I'll tell you a little bit about me and also about what happened to my kids because it's, it's also uh, okay. very important. Um, for me, yes, the Ireland syndrome is something that's not well known enough, which is unfortunate because it can um, prevent. It's very common, particularly of people who have any kind of uh, neurodiversity, ADHD, dyslexia. I have two children who are diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia, and um, – when they got the earland glasses their concentration improved and they began became, became able to read as their dyslexia disappeared now it doesn't always work that way some people have earline and dyslexia but there are cases where it's misdiagnosed and ADHD can also be misdiagnosed basically because of the uh, I don't know if it's a, a, a visual stress overwhelming uh, visual fields or, uh, you know, light sensitivity causes excess flow, blood flow to the brain on uh, the Ireland site, um, IRLEN.com. Uh, there are tests and there are explanations that are far more thorough than I can give here. But basically what, what happens is the visual uh, field can become unstable. Lots of times uh, it's picked up on, uh, in early grades when children start to read, um where they don't read properly where they read slowly or 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 the, the words stop moving around or blurring or all kinds of difficulties with reading and actually if people would scream the minute they notice a child has issues with reading then they probably could find out that a lot of kids have earl syndrome Symblo- uh, syndrome when they were young and then they wouldn't have to have residual instruction that didn't work mm-hmm. for my kids I, I had two kids one in 11th grade and one in um fifth grade that had remedial instruction from the time they were in second grade, per se. And they knew technically how to read and they could never read more than a couple of paragraphs and that would be it. And, and there were kids that have huge imaginations that I assume that they would really enjoy reading because of the fantasy part of uh, you know, the, the, the thirst for knowledge and the, the ability to create movies in their heads. I figured they should really love reading and they would avoid it at all costs. And of course they couldn't do math either or their school performance was terrible, even though their cognition was high. And it was obvious when speaking to them that they they had deep understanding of things, but they would never ever reflect actually between 30 and 50 points on an average test uh, if they were given oral exams or had to write. Uh, and, 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 And it's corrected by colored filters, colored spectral filters. The original, the the test, the evaluation's in two parts. The first part they check to see if you have, they check it through usually, and they put colored films on a paper and see if it stabilizes the visual field. But, uh, and then after that, if if you are reactive to color, then they can fit you with colored lenses and everyone gets a custom color, um, depending on like, like, you know, it's the right color if you're looking at a white wall and you put the lens up to your eyes and then the wall still looks white. Even though I can tell I have dark ear on glasses and look like sunglasses. But mm-hmm. um, I know the dark, I see the color, but when it's on my eye, I don't detect it whatsoever. It doesn't change the color of the white wall. And my my kids, I have one with purple and one with uh, one with yellow. It's often genetic, but can be from a brain injury or other things. And it changes also with hormones. So the colors often change. My kids, all colors change during puberty. Uh, my situation uh, was that um, when I woke up, I became totally light, light sensitive and my visual feel got insane. I would get um, vertigo looking at a staircase. I would talk to a person and their face would melt or become double. I would walk down the street and I would see the, the street rising up, even though I knew it was not a hill um, or people double in just crazy things. And I, I would try and, talk to a person, have a conversation, pretend like nothing was going on. Mm. But it was very, very difficult. And, and I, I kept thinking about if I had been a child and had these sort of visual problems, then I would never ever want to look at somebody's face or eyes because it would have been frightening to turn into you know, a monster or a witch right in front of my eyes. Um, yeah. And that's important because I know a lot of kids have issues with uh, eye contact and sometimes it might come from having to turn off one sentence they can't hear if they have to if they're looking at the same time. So my kids have to, to choose which sense they're going to pay attention to. Yeah. Uh, and they sort of turn off one to hear the other, for you know, forcing, or or they could have an unstable visual field and then it would be scary. So so one should never force a child to to look in the eyes or at the face. You know, child doesn't, there's a reason behind it. Nothing happens uh, for, for for sort of no reason. Everything has a reason behind it. Exactly. Uh, in any case, it also affects depth perception and balance and ability to track a ball and um, field of vision. I had one kid that had like tunnel vision; we didn't know it, and and the children will not be able to tell you about that because if they've had it their whole life, it's their reality. They don't know there's something unusual about that visual field until they put a gla- the glasses on and then they turn around and they say, "Whoa." I can stand on the path and see the trees on the side. I didn't know that that, that was something people would do. Uh, I remember Donna Williams, who's uh, an autistic woman. Uh, I think she passed away a number of years ago, but she wrote a couple of books. And, and I remember reading many years ago that she couldn't see a, a person's entire face until she got her earland lenses. But it sort of went into the back of my memory until I was, read an article about it. And then I remember, oh yeah, maybe that has to do with What's going on with my eyes or with my kids reading? And it turns out that that um maybe part of facial recognition issues also might be iruland. I'm sure not in every case, but maybe yes. So it's interesting. I got my life back. I couldn't actually walk out the door and be outside for more than um a couple of minutes or, or go on a ride in a car without throwing up per se. So yeah. I guess that's yucky, mm-hmm. but but I couldn't. I had a ride in the car with my my um eyes closed because your vestibular system works between the balance between ear bones and eyes and if my eye movements weren't correct and I was getting hypersensitive visual light perception that wouldn't coordinate in time and so my whole visual field would go off and my my vestibular balance and everything would go off as well then I got lenses my whole world stabilized like a miracle It was four years of not being able to move practically to having my life back and energy level back, and it was no short of a miracle, which is why I wrote extensively about it in my book, and I, and I talk about it every day. Two kids who were failing in school that suddenly do well, and and uh, one is an advocate, and 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 you know me being able to, to function. I mm-hmm. still have my, my stuff, but, but I have my quality of life is improved incredibly. That's to and migraines and stuff too. Like lots of people have this stuff. It's all common stuff. Uh, that can be improved just by color lens. Sounds crazy, but it solves a problem. Ritalin and things like that, not solve a problem. It will sit a kid down. kid can't sit, but it doesn't solve a sensory problem or a light perception problem. Auditory problem. I have kids with auditory problems. And if you miss a word every sentence and you're trying to figure out what's going on, you can't possibly follow. Mm -hmm. These kids get really tired. And if they sit them down and say they can't pay attention or they're not paying attention, it's not bad. It's not... Processing is not organized and medication doesn't help, it just helps us to sit. But also all the other
0: yeah yeah it's also really frustrating when you've missed one or two words and you ask somebody to repeat oh, yeah. those one or two words and they repeat the whole thing. So you have to engage so intently to try not to miss okay. the two words that you're so busy trying to
1: figure it out, then they just continue speaking, and so they're like. In a class or halfway down, you know, they've spoken another three paragraphs and you're still on that one and then you told totally lost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also, I have severe on my, on my left side because my brain tumor went into my left ear. Uh, I have severe auditory processing problems on my left. And my son has a couple of my kids. So oftentimes also visual processing, auditory processing, or any of the other senses go together. They're all neurological issues. They're not measured by your ear doctor or your eye doctor. Um, and they often go together. So my kids have earlin and auditory processing and other sensitive stuff as well. Um, and that's something to be aware of. So if a parent sees the kids having an issue, they can and they test for one thing and you have to ask for an APD test, an auditory processing test, specifically from your ear doctor, because they test normal and they may have a severe hearing problem. Yeah. That's another message. If a parent thinks their kid's not hearing pro- right, they're probably right. And the kids will test normally, and you go back to the doctor and you say, Hey, I know, but there's something going on. Test for auditory processing. One of my children tests normally every time and has a severe auditory processing problem, not picked up on a typical test. So these are things um, parents need to be aware of.
0: Yeah. Personally, for me, I know that if people, I'm going to use my partner for this example, if my partner's speaking to me, she will need to actually make it clear. That she's speaking to me she needs to get my attention first mm-hmm. otherwise i can hear that someone's talking yeah but it doesn't register that they're speaking to me yeah. and there's times when i'm actually looking at her and i'm going mm-hmm, yeah and then she'll finish and then i say i'm so sorry yeah i know i responded and i said yes and I made all the right noises but i didn't take in a single word you said yeah. Can you please repeat that? And she yeah, just yeah. laughs. doesn't take Happened with
1: my, my son yesterday. I yeah. asked him to do something. He's sure, mom, of course. And then a minute later, he comes back and says, what did you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't get upset, you know, because I know exactly the problem. But a lot of parents or teachers do get upset because they don't get it. Why aren't you paying attention? Or they think, and this is so important, the child is lazy. The child is working so much harder than anybody else to try and or and if they're busy deciphering, they're not understanding what they're taking in. Doesn't you can either do this or that? So mm. these are things that that are so important for educators and parents to understand.
0: And lazy is a label that stays with a child and a person for a lifetime. It's a very hard one to sure. shrug off and yeah. detach from some words where they call it spelling for a reason they cast spells on us we need to be very mindful of the words that we choose oh yeah when when our um when our people are young and even when we're older as well (laughs) Yeah,
1: but even if they don't the teachers don't say lazy they don't but they say your child isn't trying hard enough it's not making enough of effort how do they know i would love to get inside of any of those teachers brains and, and let them experience like program them to have five minutes of what it feels like to have all that noise in your head and not understand or all of a visual feeling they would they would freak they would run around, you know And, and again and being on both sides I, I suppose i wasn't totally nor, nor, nor as i was growing up because i was definitely out a little bit on my own world but but even so, person sort of straightforward and things that kids. And kids aren't supposed to sit on their butts all day long and workbooks either. I mean, that's just not
0: no. The but that's why there's so many problems? We need them moving, getting dirty, and getting stuck in with like nature and mm-hmm. activities. Not everyone. Some children do appreciate textbooks, but not all people learn the same. And I think that is the problem that a lot of society has fallen yes. into. Absolutely. It's the uh, cookie cutter it's a factory yeah. process of churning out exactly the same and we well, that difficult. was why the
1: educational system was uh, designed for the uh, industrial revolution that people needed to work in factories. but that kind of went away a couple hundred years ago so you know and it hasn't changed we're Not there anymore <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly Yeah, I mean, not I'm... relevant yeah
0: Yeah, it isn't relevant. And things like the the jobs have changed as well, and the way that we conduct the work. It's nowhere, it's nothing like it was back then when that system was put into place. The systems, they need updating. Like if you have an Apple product, that system gets, as as they bring out the new ones, the older ones, they stop being supported. So why are we still, why do we still have this antique system? I don't know. So it's so, so strange, but it is failing yes and it's well, it created- supports the
1: drug industry very well because the kids can't sit so you give them <laughs> medication to make them sit well, oh, sorry sorry that was- no no
0: no well big pharmaceutical is worth over half the global um money so yeah
1: exactly
0: it's, it's not going to go away anytime soon and that's what we're up against with things like mm-hmm. aba and that's why the voices of our community are silenced because there's big money in it and sure when you've got organizations and hate organizations like Autism Speaks who mm-hmm. are sort of acting alongside that, it makes our work quite challenging. But yep. what they don't take into consideration is how resilient autistic and neurodiverse, neurodivergent individuals are
1: mm-hmm. and
0: that we're not giving up. We're not going yep. away. We're just getting stronger. And that voice and that momentum, it's growing. It might take yep. 10, 20, it might take 100 years, but that change will come. I, god
1: willing that's all i have to say you know yeah we're all we're, yeah. everyone's a divine individual and then and, and built differently and, and and the world has to operate in that way to understand that and assume everyone has their own specific mission and purpose in life and therefore they're all built differently and you can't make everyone into a robot it just doesn't happen the school system wants that and a lot of the high-tech leaders want that but it ain't happening it can't it can't
0: possibly happen you know it just can't no it cannot so that's i mean your journey i say as i said at the beginning it's absolutely fascinating and i think that you writing about it and putting that work out into the world is very much needed and i'm sure a lot of people who read and purchase your book will resonate with a lot of things from different sort of angles which makes mm-hmm. it even more interesting so if you have got any other plans to to write are you putting anything else out there or
1: you um well i have a blog and that sort of addresses a lot of the things that i couldn't discuss in the book and I'm happy to be on in like your podcast and, 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 and speak to people trying to get the word out anyone have any ideas how to do that more uh, uh about the book because it's it's very hard i'm a self-published author and it's not easy to 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 get the word out, um, but I do believe that, get, that my experience is unusual and, and can help a lot of people. Uh, that's the feedback I'm receiving, so I'm very happy about it. Uh, and I've written, and they're in my computer, uh, a bunch of children's books, and that's something I that would really like to, to do in the future is somehow enable that to happen, although I don't know how to draw. So one of them is actually I would like to even do musical, and I don't know how to play music, so those are, um, those are my wish lists for the future so if any of those things will happen. Uh, who knows? Oh, write it down. Make a plan. And what's going on here is, is linking up people with people from around the world and joining forces and trying to change the things that need to be changed, which is, that's happening. That's probably been the most exciting part of this whole journey is is, is connecting with people and, and, and doing good, I, I think, and... and, and and it Maybe. will make a difference and absolutely that's, that's the wonderful
0: thing absolutely well i have i have complete faith that you will continue to do your good work and i really do hope that you get a lot of people coming across your work and your book because as i say yeah. i think it's got some important things in there and some really amazing insights from both sides of the spectrum if you like yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> And that's not often you'll hear me say something like that.
1: And I take that as um, that means a lot. Really, it does. Also, they've given me opportunity to to join you, and also that you support my work. That's I know. I mean, I I know a lot of times because of the difficult uh, experience that many autistics uh, have experiences from the neurotypical world. That in many cases they. The community is not that open to someone who's been on the other side, as they say, at, uh, because because of the hurt, and, and it makes sense, right? Mm. And, uh, there's open mindedness to to speak to someone like me. Uh, well, like I think that, that
0: open mindedness needs to come from both sides, and oh, yeah. it, it oh, yeah. we we can absolutely neurotypical people, neurodiverse people, neurodivergent people. We because neurodiverse everyone's neurodiverse,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we can work together and I mean one example of that is I'm writing my book at the moment that's being published in November and I've got a neurotypical copywriter uh, Mm -hmm. sorry proofreader Mm -hmm. and she has learned so much and she's come back to me at times and said shouldn't we be saying this instead of what you've written and I said actually no this Uh is why I've written it this way and explained it and she's thank you so much this is like so helpful for me as a non-autistic person to see why and it makes sense now so I'm going to switch that thinking and I've actually for this purpose of diversity because my book is about late diagnosed autistic women Mm -hmm. and each each chapter is a journey and a story from one woman's experience and my proofreader is now doing the introduction because she's learned so much and she knows the project inside and out and I just thought you know what you've been with me for the last two years by my side helping me giving input editing my work and learning so open to learning Mm -hmm. and passing that that knowledge on to others as well come and write come and write the intro that's amazing and she said That's to me oh who would you like who would you like to sort of like credit it to and I'm like well you of course you're uh-huh. writing it and that just absolutely made her 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 weak yes. here because yes. usually you have to ghostwrite these things which I wasn't aware of I'm like no full mm. credit to you come on mm. there's enough of this to go around and you've been yeah. really helpful and supportive and as a neurotypical person, you've been incredibly open and I wish more neurotypical people and autistic people for that were yeah. as open as you.
1: Uh, you know, if if, if if we all try and understand each other, then step into each other's shoes as best as we can. then I think that that's what's necessary to bring out the real change that we need in this world. And, you know, society is a tapestry and if you see a tapestry, they have lots of colors and lots of shapes and you know it's just it, it, if everyone understand that you need every every different piece of that tapestry to make it what it really is a full whole society Then doesn't you know then we'd all respect each other and that's that's where we need to go that's the aim and it will absolutely. only happen if we all try and understand each other and accept each other and, and work together absolutely and we just need to
0: meet each other in the middle rather than one side oh, yeah neurodivergent people having to do all the work we need to meet in the middle so that we are just working together because that's when the magic happens i agree with you (laughs) absolutely so jackie where can we find your work i know we can find your book on amazon and i'm going to link all of your links into the into the show notes so people can easily find you but how can we find you jackie Where Um, are you?
1: (laughs) I am I am two very easy places. The first is uh, I have a website. It's J-A-C-K-I-S-E-O-O-K-S. It's like Jackie without the E, Jackie's book. My parents wanted me to be unique, so they spelled my name without the E. So I guess they're responsible for me being unusual. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Everyone puts an E on the end of Jackie or a Y, and I'm either. Uh, So it's jackiesbooks.com. Or my name is Jackie Edry, my J-A-C-K-I-E-D-R-Y on LinkedIn. Those are the two easiest places. And you can find me on Amazon. There's also on the, on my site, there's a link to Amazon. So eh, those are Amazing. the two
0: easiest places. Amazing. Well, I will include all of that in the show notes. And thank you so, so, so much for joining thank me you. today. And I hope this is the first of many. Oh, for me, yes. I've got I've got quite a lot of people that I would love to speak to, and I'm sure there's more that I haven't even come across yet. So it's a brilliant opportunity to That's reach the community and do some good in the process. That's great.
1: So we'll speak again soon and hopefully work together soon. And any ideas that you have or others have that are hearing this and would like to share ideas, ideas and link up and do good, I'm game.
0: And for our listeners, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never have to miss an episode again. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast with Nikki
1: Collins, Mm -hmm. Autism on.